All right, so we are doing now Friday's portion of Kedoshim again, because it's a leap year, Achimais and Kedoshim are unusually separated. So this is Friday's portion when it's only Kedoshim. We are in chapter 20. We are up to verse 8. You shall observe my decrees and perform them. I am God who sanctifies you. For any man who will curse his father or mother shall be put to death. His father or mother, he has, has he cursed? His blood is upon him. So the question, of course, is why do we repeat that? We just said any man who curses his father or mother, and then we say his father or mother, he has he cursed. So it's a total redundancy. And therefore Rashi says the second time is to include even after they passed away. You think, okay, when they're alive, they can hear about it. It will make them feel bad. After they passed away, yes, even after they passed away, um, it is applicable as verses, for example. Another prohibition that will cause death with a parent is striking a parent, striking a parent in a way that comes out blood. So if someone does that during the person's lifetime, he's killed. if someone does it after they pass away, there's no punishment. But cursing is different, and even after passing away of the parent, it is still a death penalty. Now what is this specific penalty? It says his blood is upon him. So Rashi tells us, this means the death by stoning. And Rashi explains, how do we know this from? We know this from two types of divinations called Ov and Yidoni that we have actually later in this chapter, in this parsha, not in this chapter. So if you would go to the end of the Torah portion, to chapter 20, the last, last verse, verse 27, it says, any man or woman, and who there shall be the divination, the magic, so to speak, of over you, you donate, they shall be put to death. They shall pelt them with stones. Their blood is upon them. In this verse, it's very clear. We know the death is stoning. They shall pelt them with stones. And then afterwards, it says their blood is upon them. So from this verse, the sages learn what in Hebrew is called the binyan of. They learn a general rule that any time in Tyra, when we're talking about the death penalty, and it says the blood is upon them, his blood is upon them, their blood is upon them, it always means this is death by stoning. There are four types of death, of which stoning is considered the most severe, skila, srefa, herik, fenik. Now, death by stoning does not mean, as it meant in the uh, general world in those times, death by stoning meant they threw stones on a person who they died. Torah is not as horrific to do that. So the person actually was dead when the stones were thrown, but it is still considered the worst of all the four deaths, the most severe. And whenever it says a phrase like, their blood is upon them, their blood is upon them, his blood is upon him, it always means from that binyan of, from that original source text with the of yadaini, it always means stoning. And then Rashi says another interpretation of their blood is upon them is he caused himself to be killed. His blood is on his own head. Meaning a person can say, oh yeah, I feel so bad. My son cursed me, but then I'm going to have him killed. Like, I, I, I don't want his blood on me. I don't want that I cause someone to die. No, his blood is upon himself. He did it to himself. Do not view it this way. This is God's will. Next verse. A man who shall commit adultery with a man's wife, who will commit adultery with the wife of his fellow, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. So I say a man, Rashi says, because a minor 
can, is not punished. Minors are never punished by court for sins they committed. Um, so you could think, well, if a minor I know is never punished by court, why, why would he be punished here? Why does the Torah have to say specifically an adult when I would never give the minor the death sentence? But we might have thought that minors would be executed for adultery, not as a punishment, but because of the state of impurity of the land, as we discussed previously, that comes from it. Just like if an ox gores a person to death, that ox is killed because it's atoning for the impurity of the land. So therefore, the verse says here specifically, a man, you might think, you might think, you're wrong. A minor is not punished with a death penalty, not for adultery either. It says who will commit adultery with a man's wife. So why does it say that? Obviously, he's committing adultery. We know the person's married, you know. Why do we say a man's wife? What are we emphasizing there? So Rashi gives two answers. One is a man's wife. This can't be the wife of a minor because he's not a man yet. So the same. So again, if some twelve-year-old boy, God forbid, would commit adultery with some woman, he's not put to death. He's not a man. If the wife of a 12-year-old boy has relationships with another man. They're not put to death because she is the wife of a minor, not of a man. So in other words, basically, this is saying is that someone's not yet bar mitzvah. He's still a minor. He's under 13. There's no real matrimony at that point. And similarly, in a different way, the verse said, who commit adultery with a man's wife, with a wife of his fellow, right? Says the phrase again, doubling. Why are we saying that? To say that the death penalty for adultery only applies if someone had relationships with a woman who was married to a Jew. But if there was a woman married to a non-Jew, it's not Ashes Reehu. It's not the wife of his fellow. It's not a fellow Jew like him. And again, just as we're saying, there's no real matrimony with if you're married to a boy who's under bar mitzvah, under 13, there's also no real matrimony for someone married, so to speak, to a non-Jewish man. So therefore, they're not really married, and therefore, it's not, it's not obviously, it's forbidden to have relationships with a woman, all that other stuff. But in terms of ultimate classical adultery, there's no adultery here, because she's not a married woman. So therefore, in that situation, also, he would not be put to death. Now, what type of death is it? So it doesn't say. It says the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. So Rashi gives us a rule here that if the Torah doesn't specify, the death is always chenet, strangulation, which we're told is the most minor of the four deaths. Stoning, burning, the sword, and strangulation. Again, all of those are actually not as they sound. Just as I said, stoning, the person's not stoned to death. They die and then they're stoned. But all of, but still, that's the ranking in terms of the most severe, stoning to the least strangulation. And therefore, whenever we don't know what it is, whenever the Torah doesn't specify, we always go for the most uh, lightest of the four deaths, which might be a strange way to put it, but that which is <laughs> strangulation. That was verse 10. Verse 11. A man who shall lie with his father's wife will have uncovered his father's nakedness. The two of them, meaning the man and the woman, shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Again, it says their blood is upon them. So as we learned in the previous verse, it means stoning, 
by death by stoning, and it means don't feel guilty for their death. They caused it to themselves. Verse 12, a man who shall lie with his daughter-in-law, the two of them shall be put to death. They have committed a perversion. Their blood is upon them. Kevalasu, they've committed a perversion. It's a shame. Like it's a disgusting thing. A man who relates with his daughter-in-law. Or, Rashi says, Tevel means really, literally a mixture because we're mixing the seed of the father and the seed of the son within this same woman. Verse 13. A man who lies with a man as one lies with a woman, they shall, they have both done an abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. So we see here this concept of a man having a relationship with a man is biblically prohibited. It is death penalty which, of course, in our world today is something that some people may have difficulty understanding or look at it very differently, but this is very clearly, very explicitly a verse absolutely straight from the Torah. A man has relations with a man as one who has with a woman. And this, in that format, is literally the death penalty. If it was a time, of course, when we gave a death penalty, which obviously we don't do nowadays, but by knowing it's a death penalty, we understand how severe it is in God's eyes. And on the very basic level, of course, there's many, many understandings of this, but on the most simple level, God says, I created you to marry a man and a woman and then to have children and then to continue mankind. And you're going in these abomination ways that are destroying civilization instead of building up civilization, you shouldn't be in my world. A man who will take a woman and her mother, it is a depraved plot. They shall burn him and them in fire, and there should not be any such depraved behavior among you. So, what's very cool, obviously sounds really horrible, but when you look at the words itself, it's actually very questionable, because what the verse is saying, so this man, is married to a woman, and has relationship with her mother. They're all supposed to die. They shall burn him and them in fire. And the question is, well, wait a minute. The first woman didn't do anything wrong. A man marries a woman. Kosher. Legit. And then he has a relationship with her mother. Sick. Horrible. Well, who should die? The man and the mother, but not the original wife. She didn't do anything wrong. So what does it mean they shall burn them in fire? So there's two ways the sages look at it. Either they say, a man is married to a woman. He then has relationships with her mother, with his mother-in-law, and the mother of the mother-in-law. So we're going out two generations. He's married to woman one. He has relationships with her mother, woman two. And he has relationships with this woman's mother, woman three. So man and the two women, not the first wife, but the two other women, all of them have committed something horrible. They all are put to death. Of course, the likelihood of that seems so, so rare. Wait a minute. Imagine a relationship with a woman and her mother sounds crazy enough. And his and her mother? Like, you know, what are we talking about here? So another understanding say just half of this is that the Hebrew word S hen, which means generally both of them, which would imply two women, could also mean in the Greek, hen means one. The man so what the verse is actually saying it is, they shall burn him and one of them, as hen, one of them, as we look at it through the Greek lens, in fire. 
And one of them, of course, then is not the original wife, who he was not married to in sin, but the mother of the original wife, the man, and the mother of the original wife, him and one of them, the second one of them, would both die through burning. A man who shall lie with an animal shall be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. So the question is, we understand the man, but why are we killing this animal? It's an animal. But the answer is, because the animal caused man to destroy himself in this fashion, it has to be stoned to be removed from this world. And then Rashi says, our sages say, if this is so, that this animal, who doesn't know good versus evil, and yet he has to be removed from the world because he caused someone else to sin, how much more so man, who knows what's good, who knows what's evil, if he causes somebody else to sin, how much more is he culpable? And they did say something very similar in terms of places of idolatry, because we're commanded that all places of idolatry where the nations in Israel served idols, they all have to be destroyed completely. The mountains, the hills, the trees. And I say the same thing. Well, look at this. If these trees that don't see and don't hear, they didn't do anything. They didn't say, please may serve me as an idol. But because they caused man to ruin himself, they caused man, they were the catalyst for which man sinned grievously. And the Torah says about them, you've got to destroy them, you've got to burn them, you've got to obliterate them. So imagine a person who causes someone to go from the ways of life, from God's path to the ways of death. Imagine that person and what should happen to him. 